0: Welcome, Bird gang on today's show a little rookie review the three-day rookie minicamp is over so who impressed what did we see what did we hear you know Mike Jarecki always has his ear to the ground plus Cliff Kingsbury on the DeAndre Hopkins suspension and just release schedule but first help on the defensive line it's Cardinals cover to episode 566 and it starts now So we've been talking about this, and you more so than me, MJ, a need for some veteran help on the defensive line. And wouldn't you know it, someone is listening to you, MJ. Maybe several people are listening because... We have a roster move along that defensive line, and specifically defensive tackle. Kingsley Kiki signed away one-year contract, Six-three, two-eighty-eight. 288. Love his age, 25, former fifth-round draft pick. Spent the past three seasons with the Packers, so he comes in and gets added to the defensive line room. You've got ten players in that room. Less than five really are interior defensive linemen, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with Kiki.
1: Yeah, and I just thought, you know, I know we look at outside pass rusher, and, you know, it's, I think the, the guys they have on the roster, uh, you know, again, I think we need to wait until after the OTAs and the mandatory uh, mini camp to where they can kind of reset things. But, you know, overall, it's to me, they, I think they believe in their outside linebackers. Uh, somebody is not going to make the roster considering you invested three, maybe one slides at a practice squad. Um, so, I did. It was important to bring in, and again, 288 pounds, not your 300 pound guy, but you still have Richard Lawrence and Leckie Foe, too. And then they brought in some undrafted free agents.
0: Yeah, Manny Jones is the one that is listed as a defensive tackle. I do want to touch on him in a moment, but Kiki, six and a half sacks in 41 games. When you talk about that interior push up the middle, it's not a lot of sacks unless you're Aaron Donald or. Jordan Phillips has that one breakout season in which the Cardinals pounced on and it didn't work out here in Arizona, but you always talk about flood the position. You don't know. You hope that this is the year that both Lawrence and Foto take an additional step forward. I think it's a big season for them. They did get better a year ago. It's always been availability, though, with them versus their ability to handle football, but... Lawrence, two, Kiki, maybe this Manny Jones. So that's four and the ability of a J.J. Watt to slide inside or just be very versatile along with Cameron Thomas. Put your hand into the dirt, whether as a defensive end or go into the middle, slide in the middle as he did because San Diego State needed some help. And he said, you know what, I'll raise my hand and do what's best for the team.
1: Considering that, you know, obviously those guys are judged on – you know, sacks in college, but he did get a lot of pressures and and knockdowns. And the other guy is Zach Allen. Move him around a little bit more possibly, even though he's a guy that can line up on on the edge. And I do think Rashard Lawrence is your true nose tackle. And then you you sprinkle in and we, you know, don't focus on Dogby a little bit. I I like his size. You know, again, when you talk about taking that next step, you know, based on more snaps, more production, that's what you're looking for from Rashad Lawrence, Lucky Fo2, Zach Allen, and Michael Dogby.
0: Fo2, 335, Lawrence, 308. So those are the big bodies. Last season, Fo2 started three games but played in all 17. In fact, played the second most defensive snaps among linemen. Zach Allen had the most defensive snaps. Lawrence, seven games started, played in 11. A calf injury limited him to six games, and that was the same injury he had in 2020 and kept him out. For nine games.
1: Well, I got to think those snap count went up because of Jordan Phillips' inability to stay healthy, and then J.J. Walsh missed a ton of time, and so th- those reps went to those guys, and you know that's where it's going to have to be uh, moving forward, but you'd like to see the more production because they feel good about Rashard Lawrence. I remember when they drafted him in LSU, a guy that was kind of the alpha male there. They think he can do it more than just be a nose tackle, so again, Uh, availability is is just as important as production, but you have to be on the field to be productive.
0: Cardinals covered too, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, we brought up Manny Jones a couple of different times here, so let's get into the just-completed rookie minicamp. Watched more than 40 minutes of Friday's work. So it was three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the only portion that was open to us in the media Friday for about 40 minutes, so a small And let me repeat this, per game, a very small sample size for what these rookies were able to do and accomplish over three days. But you're talking about eight draft picks, 12 undrafted free agents, 33 tryout guys, including tight end Matt Kempton out of NAU, and, yes, the son of former Suns player Tim Kempton. So a little local flavor right there. But let's talk about that defensive line. Undrafted free agent, Leron Stokes. Listed as a defensive end. We've been talking about him maybe playing some defensive tackle. And in Manny Jones, 6'2", 280. And I'll say this, because when we get to watch, it's a number of different players. Your eyes kind of have to focus a number of different directions, but you can maybe just focus on a position group at a time or a draft pick at a time. I'll say this about Manny Jones. At 6'2", 280, he looked big. Now, what does that mean? I don't know, (laughs) but at least, hey, first impressions are important.
1: Yeah, and, you you know, the Cardinals, when it comes to the offensive line, they just list offensive linemen now. When it comes to the defense, they'll list defensive tackles, defensive ends, they'll list inside and outside linebackers, list corner and safety. And and i got to think, you know, when we talk about position flexibility, um, you know, we look at Vance when he goes to that NASCAR package, you're really really bringing in four pass rushers to get after the quarterback. And, you know, when it comes to – Kingsley Kiki. I'm wondering is he a guy that can you know help stop the run because that's where the linebackers are going to come in. So um, I think you know we sometimes we get pigeonholed and how many guys they have at certain positions. It's just the offensive line is listed as offensive line, and I think they want players to play more than one position. And I think that's where Cameron Thomas is going to come in.
0: Now Jones and Trey McBride, teammates at Colorado State. Jones did play inside the past two seasons. 13 and a half sacks over his career at Colorado State. But you bring up something interesting that, you know, you're always looking for the sacks the pressures the hits the knockdowns get that quarterback off his spot but perhaps and again we're limited in what we see and what we hear because we haven't had a chance to talk with new defensive line coach Matt Burke obviously no 300 pounders outside of Lawrence and Fotu, but stopping that run maybe that becomes the focal point of the defensive line not so much the pressure up the middle but getting that run defense more consistent they ranked 20th as far as 115 rushing yards per game, but it was the rushing yards per carry, better than 4.5, and, and that ranked 26th. There were some games in which the Cardinals did stop the run. They did very good against Derrick Henry in Week 1, Aaron Jones in Week 8, Sony Michelle in Week 14, but then Week 16 and 18, Jonathan Taylor, 108 yards, Rashad Penny, 190 yards. It was... You weren't quite sure what you were going to get with that run defense, and maybe there's more concerted effort this offseason as far as interior when you're talking about defensive tackles and your inside linebackers to make a concerted effort to handling that run or at least being better, more consistent at stopping the run.
1: Yeah, you know, listen, I'm a big – Benson Buckner fan, he obviously had an opportunity to go to Jacksonville, but I do think bringing a new voice, and I was really impressed because where we are standing, uh, the new defensive line coach, Matt Burke, and then he's, his, his assistant is, is Rusty, um, Rusty McKinney. Um, he's his defensive assistant, and they run these drills, and I like the, the drills he was running. Again, everyone's different. Everyone has their own philosophy, but, you know, literally, you know, guys were – taking three steps, Craig, and he only wants you to take two steps. So he would literally put his foot on the back of your your a- ankle so you wouldn't – because, you know, everyone's different. And they probably yes. don't teach you that in college. Hey, there's the quarterback. Go get him. You'll learn that at the next level. I never understood where Tim Tebow didn't take 20 minutes after every practice to get underneath center. Urban Meyer wasn't worried about that. Give me uh, the six-string tight end or center. And so – This is technique, and then all of a sudden you see guys not take that third step in their their explosion in their hands, their hand placement. They want that to be the explosion. So, again, Buckner obviously, you know, you look at Robert Condici and Jordan Phillips, he couldn't get those guys going, but I, I do like his drills, and it's early in the process, and I could just see, you know, maybe a different voice will focus more on stopping the run because we get fixated on sacks, but if a team is in third and You know, third and two, third and three, all of a sudden now you're doing a good job on first and second down.
0: Those drills, and then there was another one where they basically were on their knees and just working on hand placement, pushing up against the tackling sled and trying to get that power, just that push with your elbows and straight arms real fast. And again, a lot of this, do they do in college? Who knows? But every coach wants a little bit something different and that transition that's why the transition as a rookie from college to the pros can be so difficult for an individual or a position group depending on what system you land in the National Football League because hey maybe it's identical. Same thing. You're being taught the same thing. All right, great, I know how to do this. Or you get into a place and they're like, Well we need you to lean this way or lean with your or lead with your right foot as opposed to your left foot. And it now all of a sudden it's like, okay, it sounds simple enough, but you've got to reprogram your brain and learn that before you can
1: actually go out and make it into an action move well said that becomes muscle memory and the more you do it and you know i'd be curious to see how those guys you know uh, performed on saturday and sunday because yeah i mean if if nobody taught him that or these players that, then it's going to take some time i mean but you now it's in your head and everything's on film, so when they go back into the film session, they say you're still taking three steps, maybe every once out of five times. Let's cut that down. So, um, but I did like a lot of different drills they were doing. Of course, we've seen these drills in previous off-season workouts. I, I, I really like the tempo. I think Kingsbury felt like he had enough players where he can rotate in and out. He made a comment that it was nice to have like a full squad out there, even though you know you don't have a lot of veterans. So, but I like the tempo. And, you know, I wish we could have got a chance to watch more, even though I thought we were going to be out there for 30 minutes. So we got 10 minutes of bonus coverage. Kingsbury
0: on day one on Friday, uh, mini camp practice, rookie mini camp practice. Quote, we just want to see good competition. Everybody stay healthy and see if we can find some diamonds in the rough with some of those camp guys. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But now all of a sudden it's going back. To your point, looking at that film, all right, we've got something here, just needs a little bit more molding, if you will, and a little bit more time. And I'll say this because the defensive line just happens to kind of work out literally right in front of us where we're positioned on the field and where we are allowed to stand during the two practice or two uh, fields that they have here at the facility. So we basically are part of the defensive line group, we're that close (laughs) to be able to not only hear, see, but also feel as well. And then once you get to the veterans here and to J.J. Watt and to Zach Allen, it's amazing the power that you can not just feel, literally feel, but you know it's coming because, well, you're talking about a J.J. Watt has been on the rig for a number number of years and knows what is expected of him.
1: Yeah, I'm sure, you know, some of the probably, I don't know if it was based on draft picks, but, you know, you, normally it's, it, when you have a rookie minicamp, you, you have the tryout guys, you have your own draft picks, and you have undrafted Freight. And so whoever was in the front of the line, they will be now in the back of the line when J.J. Watt comes back. To, uh, Zach Allen, Lecky, Michael Dogby. And you know, obviously, we'll have to see what uh, Kiki looks like in the uniform. But um, yeah, it's 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 interesting, and that's where you can also learn. You know, you see a guy do it, and you, you look at his accolades and say he's done it at a high level. Granted, he's got to stay healthy. Referring to Watt, you look at a guy like Zach Allen who's made progress every single year. So um, you know, that's what you, a lot of times you can you can hear it from the coaches and you see it. But if you see another player do it all of a sudden you're like okay that's how he's lined up that's the way I'm going to line up I'm not saying you're going to be that player but I think having a, a guy of that ilk will definitely uh, rub off and a guy like Cameron Thomas who is going to be a sponge for him and you know, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see him, but he is, he's is he been dealing with that hamstring injury, but he was working out on the side, which is encouraging.
0: Yeah, he was hanging out on Friday with Buddy Morris, so no Cameron Thomas during the open portion of rookie minicamp on Friday. But you look at the other seven draft picks, and let's start with tight and Trey McBride, and I'll say this, we talk about first impressions, and I'm going to be honest. <laughs> um, even though he's listed at 6'3", 245, he looked a little small. And I'll say this, the only reason he looks small, Bird Gang, because he was standing next to Trey Berry, a tight end out of Boston College, who was standing 6'6", 260. So you had 6'6", versus 6'3". So as I was telling you as we walked off the practice field, I need to see McBride stand next to Zach Ertz, stand next to Max Williams, and get a better idea of just how big McBride is. Because when you're standing next to someone who is 6'6", Yeah, you can get overshadowed, literally, and Ertz is 6'5", Williams is 6'4", but as a first impression, Trey McBride is like, wow, he looks a little small. Now, that's just the first impression of how he looked. I'll say this. I didn't see him drop a single pass.
1: Oh, he's got soft hands. All practice. And 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 what's interesting about him, when he catches the ball, he's already turning up field. A lot of guys have to stutter, step, catch it, turn their hip. It's a, it's very natural, and you could see that why he had over 1,000 yards. I'll just say this, Craig, and I can go back to when Rob Gronkowski was drafted in the second round. He had a back issue. Some teams didn't draft him. He'll fill out. He'll get stronger. He Obviously, he's going to have some money in his pocket. Now, not that he didn't before. He obviously had a great home growing up. Um, but he, I, I agree. He's going to have to hit the weight room, get to the protein. And, you know, you don't want to take away the speed, but you're going to be going against, you know, 270-pound um, outside linebackers, and you've got to be able to try to shed the block. But in due time, uh, I like the upside. Um, we know that he's serviceable blocker. He's a guy that's willing to put his uh, face in the fan, and we know he's going to be a weapon, especially for the first six games with uh, Zach Ertz and possibly uh, Max Williams when it comes to 12 personnel. I do think they're going to run the football, and he's going to be a part of that. So I think in due time he will fill out. It's just that you look at you know 6'5", and – Two forty-five, and then you see him in person. Like last year when we got Rondell Moore, and I'm like, I know he was 5'7", but he was like, it reminded me of like 5'3", he was 5'7", but when you see him run, you're like, okay, that's the reason why they drafted him.
0: And McBride does want to learn as we had a chance to hear from him last week as far as learning to block and not just be that pass catcher, although Kingsbury was very complimentary uh McBride as far as how well he runs his routes. And it might be something that we see more of McBride as a pass catcher. Be able to get on the field quicker and then kind of learn the ins and outs, get that strength, fill out to your point, and then all of a sudden he can be that blocker, or at least chip and help out if there is need because Kyler Murray is in trouble a lot, or there's blitzing coming from either side.
1: Yeah, and, and Buddy Morris, I mean, he's not going to put weight on overnight. It's going to take a period of time, but he's going to get him on a nice little diet. They'll have pre-met meals and all that other stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think really the question becomes is – is the health of Max Williams because he – you know how I feel. He's your Mac. Uh, he's your meat and potatoes guy, and so you don't have to rely on McBride possibly to be a uh, blocking tight end. Eventually he's going to have to do it, and we know Zach Ertz is – he's high effort, but I'd rather have him in the slot. So with Max Williams out there, and, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself when it comes to 13 personnel, that's three tight ends. You, you can utilize 12, but really the the question becomes when is Max Williams, is he going to be healthy enough to contribute – in training camp or during the season.
0: Remember, the last time Kingsbury was asked about Max Williams, he mentioned initial surgery. Now, jumping to conclusions, initial means the first. So how many surgeries has Max Williams had since that injury against the 49ers in Week 5? That's why, at the time, you're like, well, you've got Zach Gertz, you've got Max Williams, you don't need a Trey McBride. Why are you selecting him at 55 when you have some edge rushers that are still on the board? Well, the team front office knows a heck of a lot more about this roster than we do specifically the health so that's why when we're talking about you know two tight ends on the field it might be Zach Ertz and Trey McBride as opposed to Ertz and Max Williams I'd love to see Max Williams back on the football field but two things one he's got to be healthy and two this team is not going to rush him back because they know understand his value based off how the season began
1: those first four games of last season I couldn't agree more. And he, 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 when, when I, the way I look at it is, is, you know, they're, if, if Max isn't able to go, they're going to have to find someone, and maybe that guy's on the roster. I know uh, Anderson's more of a, a flex guy. He looks Maybe he's more of a tight end playing wide receiver. Um, but they won't stand Pat, but I, I couldn't agree more. He'll get all the time in the world to, to get healthy. Um, he's a big locker room guy. Um, I think we're all rooting for him. I mean, he's just what he's been, meant to this team when he's been healthy. And, you know, ideally, um, you know, I, I, I do think this team wants to run more 12 personnel. And he would be, you know, between all three, I think they would all have a role there, regardless of who catches the ball and who's a better blocker.
0: You still have David Wells, Dion Yelder on the roster. Wells, 6'6, 260. Missed five weeks last season because of a hand injury. And then Yelder, who was signed to a futures contract, there's a four year veteran spent last season with the Buccaneers, does have. Experience, its limited amount of experience, but 6'4", 255. so more in the mold of an Ertz, Max Williams, when you're talking about height and weight.
1: Yeah, and it's it's pretty clear, um, you know, they had Durrell Daniels and Demetrius Harris on the roster, and it's it's pretty clear that they went in a different direction. And, and getting back to the McBride uh, pick, he was the best available player at fifty five. Um, and again, um, we always talked about this draft having it was deep and you want to find a young tight end that you can groom for the future so you're not going out and having to spend money on a 32-year guy like Zach Ertz, even though he's been very productive in this Cardinals offense. So I understand what they were doing. It was just with so many other needs, you're thinking, all right, but this is really about this offense in the future. And we talked about getting that young tight end where you know, three or four years from now, this guy could be one of the top tight ends um, possibly in the division or in the conference.
0: Yeah, he certainly proved it. On the college level, now the question is can you do it here on this stage? We mentioned Cameron Thomas not practicing, at least during the open portion on Friday. So a lot of eyes when you talk about edge rushers and those two third-round selections went to my Jay Sanders wearing number 41. I'll say this, he looked tall. Looked more like a safety than he did an edge rusher, even though he is listed at 248, and that's probably where he feels he's best at in that 245 to 255 range. Moved very well and looked like Chandler Jones in that he was dancing to the music. We would always see when they would get out for team stretch, the music is blaring, and there would be Chandler Jones doing a little motion to the music and... Sanders was doing much the same thing. And you got like, okay, well, that's one thing he's got going for him. Now we'll just see if he can rush the quarterback like yeah. a. Chandler Jones. Yeah, I mean,
1: maybe it's just, you know, music is very distinguishing. It's good for the heart. Uh, you listen to something and it kind of gets you pumped up. Uh, you can recall maybe when you first heard that song. So I'm all for it uh, versus a guy just, you know, walk into each drill, and that will not happen in this uh, workout.
0: And you're looking at different position drills with outside linebackers, Coach Charlie Bowen, Sanders, plus Jesse Laqueta, who are working with outside linebackers. Laqueta again, one of those tweeners, if you will, but is going to be starting as an outside linebacker wearing number 43 and all of a sudden 43, like oh, Hassan Reddick. Well, that's now all of a sudden you've got to reprogram your mind a little bit with these new numbers, but he's, you're look-
1: t- he's 6'3", 253. So, and, that's, and he
0: mentioned Uh, Hassan Reddick, as far as different players that they watch at their certain positions so Sanders Laqueta, Thomas all three and Kingsbury asked about those three as far as you know outside rusher outside of Marcus Golden what are you going to do Kingsbury quote it's impossible to replace a hall of fame rusher like Chandler we know that but as a unit And schematically, we've got to be able to find that production somehow, and I think those guys will all add to it, end quote. And it's that schematically part up to Vance Joseph and his coaching staff to scheme it up. I think it puts a lot on the plate of Coach Joseph. Not that he can't do it, but you certainly would like to see a little bit more, at least for my end, because you always go back, it's coaching – from Monday to Saturday, and then on Sunday, it's up to the players. Sorry, Vance Joseph's not on the football field. So who you can scheme it up all you want, and maybe you can for a couple of games or half a season. Yes, they did it when Chandler Jones was hurt in 2020, but roster was much different then compared to now.
1: Yeah, I understand that. Coaching in in Bertrand Berry has always been a big fan of that. But, but if, you know, if, if Vance is calling the game on the sidelines, and you, you, you know, what you worked on during the week, if you feel like that's your strength, and I'm sure in the perfect scenario, Craig, he would love to play man-to-man press across the board. Now it's a matter of do you have two or three um, corners that can cover and, you know, a physicality. When it, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jeff Gladney and, you know, more development in Marco Wilson and, and Byron Murphy. You've got Antonio Hamilton here. Um, we got a chance to talk to the uh, the, the young cornerback. Um, he's, he's tall. Six, Christian Matthew? Christian Matthews. I mean, I, I like the fact, yes, he's 25 years old, but she, there's a maturity factor to him. And to me, he's, he could be another guy that plays on special teams. We'll see what happens with Robert Alford. But, you know, ideally, uh, stopping the run and being able to play man-to-man, and then all of a sudden you can start scheming up, bringing more than they can block. And I think that's where Vance really has earned his, um, his keep.
0: Matthew, a seventh-round selection, one of those question marks, if you will, and discussed on Friday after that first practice on just how close he was to walking away from the game of football. He had been bounced around Georgia Southern, Sanford, Valdosta State, lose a season because of COVID-19, and had some serious discussions with his family, including his girlfriend, as far as what do I do? Do I put football in the rearview mirror? Do I attempt to – you know, move my career in a different direction. And he mentioned that he had a job offer as a store director at a local Walmart. And it was a conversation in what she called a real candid conversation with his girlfriend. Hey, give it one more shot. One more opportunity of this game of football and see what happens. And wouldn't you know it, he gets drafted. And now all of a sudden, yes, he's 25 and he's older than Byron Murphy and he's older than Marco Wilson, yet here he is. Older than Kyler Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and here he is, and according to one member on the coaching staff, one not only does he look the part, but I was told he's got a chance. Now, as a seventh-round pick, is that a chance this season, or is that, hey, practice squad, and we'll see if we can't get you on the regular season roster later this year or next
1: year? Well, I mean, let's, you mentioned three different places that he played, and because he ran out of eligibility, he had to go to a smaller school most recent, but – Again, um, when you're 24, 23, 24 years old, and you're still chasing that dream, and now you get to 25, and you're thinking, "If uh, I can get drafted," I mean, the fact that he got drafted, um, again, flood the position. But I do definitely like his size, and you know, that's maybe when they, they're talking about finding a diamond in the rough. That could be the guy, even though he was a, a late pick. But you can't. I like his maturity. He's been responsible for everything he's done in his life. And he was close, and I'm glad he got drafted and he's got a chance here because, you know, we get to week eight or week nine, we may need to see him on the field based on who's healthy and who's up playing up to par.
0: That phone call definitely changed my life. Is quote in Darren, on Friday.
1: Darren Urban has a great story on azcardinals.com.
0: Phenomenal story. In fact, Matthew retweeted it, liked it. So you, you root for players – Based off how they got here, I root for stories, and he's got a great story. And each one of these draft, picks, oh, yeah. they all have a story, and it, and and the more you learn about them, you're like you root for them. You want everyone to succeed, and it's impossible for everyone to succeed, but they all have a background. And this Christian Matthew would be a phenomenal story. Not, I mean, comparing Kurt Warner with the you know stocking grocery shelves. Well, here was going to be a store director at a Walmart, and all of a sudden, you know, what happens is his career in the NFL to where he's working Sundays as opposed to working a nine-to-five job. I mean, in an instant, that phone call has changed his life, even if it is just for a small period of time.
1: Well, I got to think, you know, listen, a lot of guys think they're going to go a lot higher because, you know, let me get on my soapbox real quick. Because after, you know, the first couple months of the draft, we have 45 guys that are mocked to go in the first round, and then all of a sudden their agents say, well, this team likes you in the second and third round. I got no issue with the guy coming in with a chip on his shoulder because they think they should have been drafted a lot higher. This entire class, and maybe take away McBride because he didn't go in the first round. We don't see a lot of running backs go in the first round. You know, tight end, obviously teams feel like you can get them in the second or third round, but everyone else felt like they should have been drafted a lot higher, and I'm all for it. Use that as motivation, you know, whether it's playing angry or just accepting it and saying, I'm going to work on my next contract, but I'm going to put the work in now, so – I like what all these guys said, and it's interesting just to follow their – I mean, one didn't one have like nine siblings? Yes, that was he Jesse Laqueta. Nine. And really growing up with, with girls and sisters really became part of his life. Five sisters. Quote, I never really got to use the bathroom. <laughs> that was a great line. And that was, <laughs>
0: yeah, a, a great line from the Penn State's outside linebacker. You, you learn more about these – Kids, again, I'll keep calling them kids, and Laqueta from Canada. His mom immigrated from the Democratic Republic of Congo in 1980, so here he is with an opportunity, you know, that he might never have gotten. And now all of a sudden you sit there and, and you root for a success story like that.
1: And he, he got a chance to play at Penn State, the, which is a big-time program. And he
0: was very, very good at Penn State. Honorable All-Big Ten, 61 tackles, 8.5 tackles for loss. And we talked about his what he was able to do at the Senior Bowl, two sacks at the Senior Bowl, and that stands out because I think the Senior Bowl is becoming more and more important to scout size because, yeah, what you do within your own conference, okay, what kind of conference are you playing in, now let's bring everyone in. Now it's seniors. It's not underclassmen. Well, unless you graduate. Yes, that's true. Good catch. Now bring everyone together, and now you're going against better quality competition.
1: I.e., Trey McBride going against the SEC, and he sat there and told us, I can play against these guys, where he played at a smaller school and probably didn't get that opportunity. Uh, I think you you, – refresh my memory. How many Cardinal players were drafted from the Senior Bowl?
0: If I remember, it was, let's see, a draft class of eights. I believe it was six of the eights were drafted who were at the Senior Bowl. Uh,
1: Correct. And, again, we talk about these joint practices. Here you take guys out of different conferences. You you get two coaching staffs, and all of a sudden the the scouts and coaches are standing on the sideline. They can talk to you at night, and Jim Nagy does a great job, and everyone goes back and watches the film of practice. And and, and usually the teams will leave because they'll get the game film um, of the Saturday game that they have but i guarantee you when you're when you're putting your board together besides looking at you know Trey McBride playing in his conference i'm going back to the senior bowl how did he how did he fare against a guy that played in a power 5 conference you know physicality speed you know just can is can he hold up and according to McBride he felt like you know i can i can roll with the big guy, so that's impressive but senior bowl again it, it all starts with the uh, the NFL PA game the east west shrine game but i'm telling you And Jim Nagy has the great slogan, the draft starts at the senior bowl. And that's where it starts. And look at all the different quarterbacks they try to bring in there. Next year it's going to be fascinating because we're going to see a lot of quarterbacks probably go in the top five or top eight.
0: Well, Marquise Hayes, the Cardinals' last selection Seventh round, number 257 overall, the guard out of Oklahoma. He was at the senior bowl. I actually got some work in at right guard, but he's a left guard, as is Lasita Smith. Now I'll say this, the offensive line where we're positioned there kind of literally on the other end of the practice field, so it was kind of hard. And when you're talking about offensive linemen, I think it's tough to judge when you're just wearing helmets and shorts. It's difficult when you're not going up against – that you don't have that defensive lineman or outside linebacker going up against you. So I think the jury is still out, if you will, on Smith and Hayes outside of the fact that they both look very, very big in their uniform.
1: Yeah, 314 and 318, and I think, you know, Sean Kugler and Brian Neck and the assistant offensive line coach, I think they want to cross truck these guys because, you know, Rodney Hudson's, you know, getting a little long in the tooth. He missed a couple games last year. Now clearly he's one of their better linemen. Hopefully he plays a couple more years. But you want to make sure you have some depth behind Justin Pugh, and we'll see what happens with Will Hernandez uh, at right guard because, you know, at the end of the day, Kugel's going to play the best five, and, you know, you got you got to consider they're going to address eight on game day. Uh, hopefully we'll get more uh, where Justin Murray is and Josh uh, Josh Jones. I think Jones, based on his size, should be more of a tackle. Justin Murray can play a lot of different positions, and so we'll see. But they got to come up with the top eight, and hopefully one of these two guys can be possibly active. Um, the, you know, They both played in different conferences, but uh, I like their size, and, and they're going to get coached up, and it's just a matter of how they can retain information and make sure they don't make the mental errors during practice because coaches got to trust you on game day.
0: The last draft pick I want to touch on, and that is USC running back Keontae Ingram, six feet 221, that big physical back that Kingsbury discussed on Friday that could obviously make the roster as that third or fourth running back and then work your way up the depth chart depending on how well you do on special teams. But in the limited amount of time that I was paying attention to him as far as just looking bigger, and then the ability to catch out of the backfield, which he showed he could do in college.
1: Yeah, they had a couple running backs uh, that had actually flashed. I mean, I, again, I don't know if it was a tryout guy, but they had another running back. And, you know, obviously you know, and Jonathan Morton are not here. Obviously no James Conner, no uh, uh, Jalen Samuel, so these guys get a chance. But uh, I think James Saxon does a great job when it comes to, you know, he's a left-handed, so he'll throw the ball. Sometimes it comes out a little bit different. But I would agree, he looked the part. And when they put the pads on, I'm really curious to see how he runs between the tackles and outside the tackles.
0: Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As we continue here on this Monday post-rookie minicamp, yes, Kingsbury did address the media on Friday. And you knew it was going to happen, MJ, and it was the third question asked and then there were a series of questions of follow-ups. But we have not heard from the head coach since the news of DeAndre Hopkins' suspension. Kingsbury obviously asked a lot of different questions about it. When did you know? He mentioned that that's more of a Steve Keim question, the Cardinals general manager. But just how this team deals with this loss. And we've discussed it, and there were no real answers from Kingsbury. And I do think some of that is maybe some gamesmanship, keeping things under wraps, and the other is just trying to wait until you get these players on the field, i.e. a Marquise Brown, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Ertz. How do these pieces fit together? It's one thing to draw it up on a chalkboard or the whiteboard. It's another thing to see it in action. So it does help, and Kingsbury mentioned that Marquise Brown, yeah, it will make up for the loss now. How much do they make up? Because you're not going to replace D. Hop.
1: No, um, but he's probably the closest thing they have to on the roster right now. And, and I'm just curious to see where he's going to line up. Obviously, they know more than I do. I mean, when it comes to play calling, I'm, you know, it's easy to uh, be subjective, or it's, you know, uh, you know, I always say that um, um, what's the saying? I like to say that um, hindsight's unbeaten. Yes. After the fact. So, yeah, and without knowing anything and we're going to talk about this I got to think there's got to be a plan to run run the ball and try to shorten the game a little bit hopefully your defense can you know carry their water um, because there are going to be some new faces out there and then try to run some 12 personnel so um, yeah you'd love to see him come out and go four wide but Right now, I think you you got to just know what you have on the roster, but I'm looking for Hollywood Brown to really explode in those first six games. All
0: right, speaking of running the ball more, the question asked of Kingsbury, could we see more James Conner or Eno Benjamin or Keontae Ingram, whomever, carrying the rock a little bit more early on in the season? Kingsbury's response, quote, we got to be better at it meaning running the ball without Hopkins, and then added this. Teams that made a run last season, quote, they were able to still sustain the run, end quote. Now, I went back and looked because now this is not a deep dive like the coaching staff has done, but in the seven games Hopkins missed, the Cardinals averaged 4.2 yards attempt. That was their season average. Now, they averaged 4.2 yards attempt or less, five times in those seven games so maybe it's more of a consistent as far as being able to sustain the run as opposed to your overall numbers now in the playoffs they couldn't run the ball but they got so far behind that they weren't even trying to run the ball but if you just look at the seven games Hopkins missed Cardinals were pretty effective running the ball but those were end of game totals and I'm sure Kingsbury has numbers and analytics to come back at me and say well on first down we need to do better here or third and short we weren't as successful or in the fourth co- those kind of breakdowns the deep dives if you will that teams do at the end of the season
1: and you know if, let's peel the curtains back a little bit Chase Edmonds couldn't stay healthy either. I mean him and Connor I think they missed four He missed four or five games. The first time they were back together was in Detroit, and obviously that didn't go well. And then you had nine different line combinations. So um, my eyes tell me that they didn't run the football as well as they did in the first half of the season, and that's because you were behind the sticks, and Kyler was obviously coming back from an injury, and you didn't have a guy that can stretch the field. Um, And and obviously there was some miscommunication with A.J. Green and the quarterback, so there's a lot of factors. But my eyes tell me, that the offensive line wasn't as good down the stretch. And I'll start with D.J. Humphreys. Honestly, he should have made the Pro Bowl in 2020. Uh, I I think he made it as an alternate this year, and rightfully so, because he's been on the the cuff. Um, But he did not have a good season. Um, And that's something I'm I'm sure that he goes back and watches the film. He's a stand-up guy, so I'm assuming he's going to get better because they're going to need him at left tackle.
0: All right, so your eyes told you one thing. What if I told you this, though, and get your reaction, Cardinals late, in the year last season. They had over 100 rushing yards in each of their final six games, yet they never scored more than 23 points in any of those games. So overall, we always talk about that 100-yard mark. You look at the 30 rushing attempts, and that can kind of tell you how well the game went for the Cardinals or how well it didn't go for the Cardinals. But getting to that century mark, each of the final six games, yet we know what the team's record was over those six games. It wasn't good. So the numbers say one thing, your eyes tell you something different, and that goes back to, all right, your gut versus analytics, and I would lean towards gut, lean toward what your eyes tell you, and then try to figure out what wasn't working because, yeah, you can get over 100 yards on the ground, but was that a 30-yard run and then a bunch of five, six, one-yard, 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 and it just – got to be able to move the chains.
1: Yeah, and 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 again, uh, you know, 100 yards, um, running back needs what, 63 yards now to get a thousand after 17 game schedule. So yeah, I mean, I mean, tell me you ran the ball 30 times. That means you, you're controlling time of possession. You're moving the sticks. Um, you're probably pretty efficient on third down. Um, but again, it's a passing league. But the run sets up the pass, and you know, you can. That's there's a reason why these wide receivers and quarterbacks are getting paid all this money. So we'll see
0: what the Cardinals decide to do, and it might be something where it's trial and error in practice, in the preseason, in week one, what works, what doesn't work, and there might be a lot of – we might see a lot of moving parts as far as the offense and where guys line up. And where does Marquise Brown best fits week one versus week three, and then you kind of figure out how do we reincorporate hop back into the office.
1: Yeah I mean you know we we think we look at guys like Kyle Shanahan and, and Sean McVay just from a division standpoint and how much motion they use and it's, it's really they're trying to get you on matchups and so I would think with a guy like Trey McBride and you know Hollywood Brown uh, even Rondell Moore you, you can move those guys around. You get creative. We talk about eye candy but you got to get past the line of scrimmage obviously to to break a tackle or something but maybe we'll see a little bit more motion just from a standpoint of we're trying to get Uh, our our biggest strength against maybe possibly your weakness
0: and you hope then that you never want to lose someone of the caliber of D hop but one of those blessings in disguise because it forces Kingsbury and his offensive coaching staff to get out of their comfort
1: zone and figure something out and we know that he always plans ahead I I, you know the the first six games you know he's probably chomping at the bit when we get to week seven because now all of a sudden you can open up that playbook but he Again, the, the, the biggest difference is um, they weren't able to make adjustments during the season. He admitted that. They also talked about maybe using Rondell Moore in a different role. Um, and, again, I think Collar wasn't 100%. No excuses. you got to play well when you step on the field, the offensive line. But you may have to take a different approach in those first games. The, the whole idea is to win. It's not about style points, not putting up 40 points a game. It's about winning and finishing in the fourth quarter. And they did that in the first half of the season. They did not do that in the second half.
0: Well, how about game one? Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was a topic of conversation on Friday. Kingsbury asked about opening against his former Texas Tech quarterback. Big smile. And then joked, quote, I was really thankful to the schedule makers for giving us a young quarterback that hadn't quite found his way in the (laughs) league just yet. Obviously, a lot of. Tongue-in-cheek there because it is right out of the gate, boom, you're going to find whether you are ready or not ready for this season minus d Hop.
1: Well, I mean, he he did say Mahomes sent him a couple of eye, was it eye rolls. Yeah, or?
0: the big eye emojis. Yeah,
1: and, and, and he said the schedule hadn't even come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, thanks. Now, that's going to be a storyline, but I do like the fact that they're going to be in week one. I, I, I know they're a good team, and they're knocking on the door. Um, you know, but they don't have Tyreek Hill. Um, Andy Reid does a good job. They have some other receivers. Obviously, it's going to come down to, to the Mahomes and Kelsey and their defense. But hey, Vance Joseph spent about two or three months last year preparing for the Titans. And they went in there just like anything else. They were supposed to go to the Super Bowl and they were the number one seed and they turned the ball over three times. So, you know, it's about matchups, but it's going to be a tough matchup. But it'd be nice just to see this Cardinals team play consistent football where you don't beat yourselves and all of a sudden you're wondering after the game, uh, is this going to come back and haunt us at the end of the year?
0: And then week two, got the Raiders with Kingsbury's good friend, now head coach Josh McDaniels, their time together in New England. And
1: and a a playoff team from a year ago.
0: AFC West, AFC West, and we know how – we know how – Brutal that division we expect to be much like the NFC West. But coming out of the gate, you've got Patrick Mahomes week one, Chandler Jones week two. You're going to find out a lot about this Cardinals team early in the season. It's just can you can you tread water over these six games before you get DeHaat back? Because you don't you can't win, you can't clinch a playoff
1: spot in September. But if you get off to a slow start, you can certainly lose a playoff spot. It can put you behind the eight ball. And you know and. Cardinals are also going to face Justin Herbert late in the year, and then Russell Wilson, and both of those are. Uh, one's a home game and one's a road game.
0: They're at the Broncos in Week 15.
1: And in, in getting Josh McDaniels early, he's a really good coach. Obviously, that they're you know they have a great tight end. Um, obviously, and Chandler Jones with Crosby. Um, you know Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. Now, you know I'm sure he's not going to get nervous, but I like the fact that they're getting him early because there's there's a lot that goes on in the sidelines when you move over a seat. Now, clearly, you know, obviously he was right hand a Belichick, so I'm sure he's got a lot on his plate. But roster wise, I think the Raiders could be another playoff team.
0: Kingsbury called the schedule awesome. We'll see if he maintains that <laughs> adjective at the end of the season. But when you've got Chiefs, Patriots on Monday Night Football, the Buccaneers on Christmas night. You've got four primetime games. So, yeah. And we've talked about it because just based off the list of opponents that the team was facing, you knew it was going to be an uphill battle based off the opposing quarterbacks, but then have you, you have it mapped out for you week by week, and everyone moves to those first six weeks without D-Hop, and then how you finish because we know Kingsbury and the inability to finish seasons, well, that second-half collapse, and here you've got three out of four on the road in 2022.
1: Well, and then you didn't bring up week three. Because you play the Rams in Week Three yeah. and Week Ten, and then and then it, again, there's no there's no cupcakes. It's it's a one to week proposition. We know you can go from the uh, penthouse to the outhouse real quick in this league. Just ask the team is playing, uh, was in the NBA playoffs. It's it's hard to win a championship, but you got to you know obviously got to go off to a good start. Now, you know if you if you split the first two and then you're one and two, all of a sudden you you know you, you, worst case is you don't want to be less than three and three in my opinion when Hop returns now. Uh, you get greedy and 4-2, and but I, I think you have to have at least a 500 record. Uh, and I do think the NFC West, the, the Rams, um, you know, they have a good front line, but they don't have a lot of depth. Is Trey Lance going to be the promised guy in, in San Francisco once again – in Seattle, um, they, I thought they had a really good draft. Uh, maybe they're going to ask Drew Locke not to lose games, try to manage games. So I do think teams are going to beat up on each other. And we talked about it last year, 4-2. and two. I would sign that for that right now. Um, but, again, it's when these games happen. And you got to make sure you take care of business late in week 18 against the San Francisco 49ers on the road.
0: Again, here are the first six games. Chiefs, Raiders, Rams, Panthers, Eagles, Seahawks. Three at home, three on the road before DeAndre Hopkins returns for that Thursday night Amazon Prime video game on October 20th against the Saints in Week Seven. Which it, it was brought up to Kingsbury. Yeah. He, <laughs> Hopkins returns. He'll have three days of practice, and all of a sudden he's got to play a game. And those three days of practice are more like <laughs> slow walkthroughs because it's a short week. So the question was, will he be ready? Yeah, he'll be more. He'll be
1: the only one that's ready. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he's probably going to show up at the facility at like 5 a.m. that Monday morning because right now he'll be vacated from the facility for six weeks or six games, six games. i got to make sure I say six games, but he'll be ready. He'll be chomping at the bit, and you know, obviously it's going to be probably hard for him to watch the games, but maybe, um, you know, this team can win a couple games and when he gets back, improve the record moving forward.
0: Bird gang, if you're looking for tickets, season tickets, single game tickets, azcardinals.com slash tickets. Again, azcardinals.com slash tickets. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.